Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Happy Wednesday, everybody. This is Trevor Davis, Wealth Coach up here at TWA. Hope everybody's having a great week. And as always, we're going to be starting off with the Einstein quote, which is the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. If you're looking to improve yourself, if you're looking to engage with a radio show like this one or the one that comes before or the one that's going to come after every single day, you're looking to make some type of change. And we're not saying that you need to change everything because that's ridiculous. And I think some people out there would go up to people and say they need to change everything. But I don't think that's a realistic approach because anybody that's here, anybody that is alive is doing things that are working. But there are certain things that we're doing that don't work. And that's why we look to make change in different avenues. And the financial side is, of course, the issue that most Americans are not financially independent. They're financially dependent on the businesses of other people. Someone is dependent on somebody else's business when their sole source of income is a job. That money is not coming from nowhere. That's not per se just coming from your work. Honestly, it's coming from the profits of the business, and your work is part of that, and you're getting paid a portion of your total economic impact for the business. Everybody understands, and well, everybody should understand how that works because the business has to make a profit. That's the point. So we're looking at you as a job holder, being a dependent. You have to work slowly but surely to get out of that position by investing the money that you save in assets that get a rate of return that beats inflation. That's what this is all ultimately about when we're talking about the financial side. And that's really the main focus of what we teach at TWA. That's the main focus of the show. And that's not because it's the most important thing out there in life, because money is not the most important thing out there. You know, you're going to see Saturday morning cartoons, shows all the time that kind of talk about this. And the mainstream media has created this meme that talks about it all the time. And I feel like it's very well-intentioned, but I don't want us to believe that it should be ignored because that's the part that just kind of gets ignored. You know, okay, money isn't everything. And then you're going to turn around and go out and continue making it. Money is part of the way that our system works. And my argument is that when you have the amount that you want to have, you're able to do the things that you want to do. That does not mean that you have to be a multimillionaire. And shame on me for saying so, but I don't believe that everybody has to be a multimillionaire or a billionaire to be happy. I don't think that's the case. I think most people out here, like myself, just want enough to be able to do the things that we truly want to do, which can be great things. They can be grand things, and that means we have to have great and grand amounts of money, but that's the means to the end 
of getting those results that we want. You know, having a nice house is important to me, but having a million dollar house isn't necessarily what I want. But if it's something that somebody truly wants, then they're going to have they're going to have to make an impact economically that validates that house because they're going to have to help people enough to get the income they need to get to that point. And there's a lot of cynicism out there about people that make a lot of money because we get this stereotype that the people that make the most money are also the most corrupt, they're evil, they're selfish, this, that, and the other. I don't think somebody that's very, very successful in business and is donating tons of money all the time is nothing but pure badness. Any more than I would say the opposite. On the opposite side of the spectrum, that somebody who is dirt poor, has not a dollar to their name, is somehow bad too. I don't think that's really a good way to look at those things. What we need to be doing is we need to get our ego in check enough to where we're comfortable enough taking advice from people that are richer than we are. If we're going to learn how to become more wealthy, we have to learn from people that are better at wealth than we are. And we have a lot of ego attachment to money in American society. I would say American society is one of the most money attached in the world, if not the most. Our ego is very much attached to money. And we have a very unique culture here where it's, it's very, very different to the rest of the world where we actually look down upon the poor in a very different way, not just in the sense that they don't have a lot of money, but there are moral shortcomings to their outlook. Like they're literally worse people simply because they have less. And I think that that's something that has to change as well. Just as much as we have a skewed, which is a more common view because this is kind of held around the world, where we have a bad outlook upon people that are wealthy. We don't need to be having a bad outlook on either extreme. We need to get our egos detached from the income, look at it more rationally, rationally enough to start taking rational action on it. And the rational actions are when you start to invest in rates of return, assets that build rates of return that are higher than inflation and do so safely and consistently. And with the, I'll talk about the rates of return with, you know, specifically in a little bit, but with some of the gains that have happened with NASDAQ this year, people could be making an argument now that says, well, look, here's the proof in the pudding that stocks work. Okay, well, you're getting this year, year to date, over a 30% rate of return if you've got the NASDAQ average, which still you know, requires that you're investing in the ones that are gaining and you weren't actually invested in the ones that didn't really gain as much. That's the average of that stock index. So that's up with the ups and downs. That's with the drama and the unpredictability of the stock market, the volatility of knowing that the economic situation is at any time is going to radically affect the stock market first and foremost. It's more difficult for economic changes like that to radically and suddenly shift in the real estate market because real estate is something that people need all the time. There's always going to be a need for housing, always. 
And when we see something as extreme as 2008 and 9, you know, that means that that rule isn't true all the time either. But let's not get into the idea and the mindset that the exceptions are the rules. The rules are the rules, and the exceptions exist for a reason, as exceptions. We have to be very, very careful that when something bad happens in real estate, we're not turning around and saying, oh, now stocks are suddenly looking perfect. And then what happens to those people when they get screwed over in stocks? They go back and make the same mistakes over and over again. Don't be that type of person. We will be right back. This is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. Stay tuned. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds, with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. This is Trevor, your host at the TWA Wednesday radio show. And I want to go ahead and give our stock update for today since we got into that. So Dow Jones is at a 2.35% year to date. S&P is at a 14.99. And there's NASDAQ now at 36.62%. And I'm always doing year to date so we can get a perspective over the year from January 1st to today. So looking at NASDAQ could convince people by itself, cherry-picking this data, that stocks are worthwhile. While you ignore the Dow Jones, which only made 2.35, and S&P, which, you know, 14.99, better than a sharp stick in the eye. Now, as always, I'm going to combine these with the losses from 2022 year-to-date, and the loss of Dow Jones is still negative 6.43%. S&P is at negative 3.12. And sadly, with that gain in NASDAQ, they're only making 3.65% for people that invested in NASDAQ since the beginning of 2022. So the people that are happy are the people that decided to, you know, like I talked about two weeks ago, they invested January 1st. They they got it in their heads that it was the low point and it was going to go up from then. And those are the people that have had a good payout. Kudos to them. And I can only hope for their continued success in other stock endeavors. Um, And what I mean by that is that, is it a matter of if the stock market goes up always or what? Well, let me rephrase that. Is it a matter of if the stock market is going to crash or what? When? Because the stock market is never going to always go up or always go down. And we're still just seeing a lot of unusual things in the market that don't really give people the greatest confidence to say, oh, 2022 was somehow the crash that everybody's looking for. You know, it wasn't. No, nobody's saying that. Um, there were there were some stock adjustments, as we can see for sure, but nowhere near enough to make up for the gains that have happened in COVID. 
and as always in human history, when disaster strikes, there's there's the people that get the most advantage, and there's the people that get screwed over. And those huge gains for Wall Street have not necessarily helped the rest of America, and it hasn't necessarily helped middle America. Least of all, has it helped lower class America? Because always keep in mind, there's the three classes out there always lower middle and upper and anything that tries to screw over the middle class is going to compromise the whole system make bad things happen for everybody the reason that the u.s is so successful economically i believe is first and foremost because we've developed the strongest middle class in human history and the wealth of the middle class is buttressed primarily by home ownership and therefore real estate So we have to make sure that people are able to get their houses, maintain them, pay for them, and live happy lives with a good family and do the things that they really want to do. Anything that compromises that is going to start messing with the whole system. So stock market doing interesting things, as always. Little gains in Dow, modest gains in S&P, bigger gains in NASDAQ. Just keep in mind that it's probably too late for you if you want to jump in on NASDAQ. Again, you had to have gotten in there January 1st to start getting, you know, to have gotten the 36.62 gains and also made sure that you weren't just investing in the bad ones that may not have made those gains too. So be very careful with cherry picking this data. You have to also acknowledge the other two data points, not to mention 2022, to get the full glimpse, a fuller glimpse of the stock market and never forget that the stock market crashes are historically every seven to eight years and the modest crash comparatively speaking that happened in 2020 when COVID started has not has not really been what most people would consider a full-blown market crash and that's why there's so much anticipation for the full one who knows when who knows Uh, I'm not even going to venture the time guess anymore honestly because it's just, it's not predictable. So let's go ahead and before we get into the Tony Robbins stuff, I want to go over a an example of something that I get asked about every now and then. And it's something that I haven't had to calculate out in a while. So I was a little hazy on the numbers, but I get the question, why should I refinance my personal residence if I've paid it off? Why would I get a new mortgage and have more debt and put that into real estate investments? What's the point of that? I'm debt-free on my house. I don't have the mortgage. So why would I do a cash-out refinance? What's the point of that? I mean, aren't I just going to lose money? I mean, there's there's no way the rate of return for what I take out is going to make up for the mortgage. I that's not going to happen. So that's typically the way that conversation starts. And the fact is, the new mortgage, I have never seen, I have never heard of that new mortgage being more than the earnings an individual or family gets from reinvesting the cash out refinance that they took on their personal house. Never seen it, never heard about it. And here's just an example. 
because I was emailing a couple people recently and I got a couple round numbers and I'm going to round a couple things off based on a couple of these conversations to kind of hit right in the middle where they were talking about. This isn't an exact number for any particular situation, but it's right in the neighborhood. So one of these folks would have been able to take out 300000 And they were going to, therefore, have a mortgage at a 6% interest for $2,500 a month. And that's including everything in the state of Texas. That's including your insurance. That's including your mortgage, your taxes, and your HOA. So this particular person is looking at a $2,500 additional expense on top of what they're doing already. So here's what we have to look at. You take that $300,000, that's a cash-out refinance. Fact we need to consider with this. You do not pay taxes on a cash-out refinance. I repeat, you do not pay taxes on a cash-out refinance. Those are not capital gains. Those are not income in the traditional sense. Those dollars are given to you tax-free because it's part of a new mortgage. That's a massive perk. So if you built this house brand new or you bought it and rehabbed it, you're tapping into a huge amount of equity profit that you're going to be able to translate into deals. So what I did was I took a relatively modest rate of return, which is right around 20% for a lot of the passive investors. A lot of passive investors are getting much more than that, 30% is what I just got into, and I've seen higher, significantly higher. But 20% is huge for most people, and that's pretty often what a lot of people are getting just on cash flow in their house. So let's say someone turned around and decided to just, you know, with that money buy a couple new build house, or just one new build house, and they do it, they finance it or do it full cash, whatever, and they're making just the 20% on that, or they put it all into a passive deal, 300,000 are making 20%. And that's after everything. That's after everything is accounted for, all expenses are accounted for, they're making 20%. So this is annualized. When you're looking at these deals, you're looking at it annualized. So 20% year over year. So if you hold it for one year, 20%. Hold it for two years, 20% times two, total of 40% rate of return. So you have to annualize it. And that's calculated also based on the projected time holding whenever you look at it for a passive deal. So you're going to know, hey, this is going to be a four to five year deal, 30% year over year, five years, 30 times five is 150% rate of return total. So 20%, year one, from 300,000, that's going to be 60,000. Okay. What does that mean each month? Well, 60,000 divided by 12 is, a lot of us are doing the math and doing it right, 5,000 a month. So that's 5,000 a month in income, additional income. But what do we have to account for? The 2,500 mortgage. But let me rephrase that because 
if this house had been paid off already, they had no mortgage. But now they're in a situation where they don't have a mortgage coming out of their pocket still, income-wise. But now they're also making $2,500 an additional income each month from doing this cash-out refinance. So this is an option here for people. Do you want to sit on the paid-off house? Or do you want to sit on $30,000 more every single year because you invested that money in an at low average earning 20% real estate deal? Do you want 30000 every single year more or do you want to just say I'm debt free? This is why we are telling people to leverage their money. Why it's not just, oh, you can make more bang for your buck now, and if you don't have a lot, you can invest now, but because the rates of return are higher, and you're going to be making more money even if you paid off your properties. Never forget about your cash-out refinance, folks, on your personal residence. Take advantage of it. We're at the halfway point. We'll be right back, folks. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, with the TWA Radio Show. Stay tuned. market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. So let us officially get into the Tony Robbins content for today from the UPW. And I think we might be getting very, very close to the end here. Um, yeah, we've I've kind of had to go a little bit fast through some of this day four content um, Simply because I want to go over the content that has a full scientific backing. And I, I really, really support a lot of the message in this section um, overall. But I, I really I can only stand behind the stuff that's got the full scientific backing. And sometimes just makes the most sense to me. And... There's just a couple things that they've talked about in this health section that just sounds a little pseudoscientific for my taste. And again, I support the overall message. Of course, most Americans need to upgrade their diets. But I think because of the fact that Americans have such an issue with their diets, we need to be we need to have a different approach to how we talk about diets. Because what we're doing is not working. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter if the person is the fittest guru god on the planet. There's just something not clicking with us to get more Americans out of obesity ranges, out of the fast food line, back into the produce section of the store, eating the foods that your human body wants to eat. So... I'm, I want to do my best here and give people information that they can use 
even if it's just one piece that can be used. Because this is one of those things that I think has to be started small for most people. I think most people and most things, myself included, need to start small and grow from that. I just seem to think that that's how most things work and grow. I mean, you don't start a tree from something standing 20 feet, 50 feet tall already. It starts from a single seed. And they start off by talking about, during some of this diet discussion, what one guy's diet was for the past day and a half. They call it 36 hours of fine dining. And this is what this man eats. This is an American guy that got interviewed for Tony Robbins and talked about what he ate for the past 36 hours. It goes like this. One Milky Way candy bar, three cantaloupes, one ground beef pizza, one plate of pasta, one bag of theater-style popcorn, one McDonald's Big Mac, one roast duck, two Twinkies, three bowls cold cereal with low-fat milk, ten sodas, three pears, and finally one ham sandwich. So... We've got a couple good things in here I think most people can identify. The fruits, for sure. Cantaloupes, pears. Um, Fruits are great, and they've got a lot of vitamins in them. The sugar content is balanced by the fiber content, and it's basically in a format where it's released more slowly in the digestive system versus just chugging down like a couple spoonfuls of sugar of the same sugar content. That sugar, if it's by itself, gets digested rapidly, hits the bloodstream rapidly, raises your blood sugar rapidly, and that's when your body, you know, starts to get annoyed. It doesn't like those rapid types of changes. So the sugar sourcing from fruits is very good, along with the vitamins, minerals, and the fiber content, and they taste good. Blueberries are some of my favorite things to eat, rich in antioxidants, great in shakes. So fruits are very important. Now, the processed food issue here, especially with the Twinkies, is where a lot of people are going to call questions. And I'd say the number one thing people are going to raise their eyebrows about is a Big Mac from McDonald's. But McDonald's sells, gosh, hundreds of millions of Big Macs every single year. I mean, hundreds of millions in the U.S. alone, burgers for sure in the U.S. alone. Um, a lot of people were eating this food. And like I learned from a guy who ate a Big Mac every single day and was skinny as a rail and literally got tested and it was shown that he was perfectly healthy, it was because he was exercising on a regular basis and the rest of his meals during the day were extremely good, high-quality meals based on produce, fruits, and vegetables. So... That guy's definitely an anomaly for most people because most people aren't just eating a Big Mac and that's the one stray processed food during the day. They're eating a whole bunch of others like the Twinkies and the sodas. I would say one of the biggest things that people need to cut is the soda, that part where it's 10, empty sugar, nothing but calories, not what your body wants. So we start to talk about the comparables between the killer fats and the essential life-sustaining fats. And after this, they start getting into some of the stuff that I 
really, really cannot get behind yet, which is the argument between acidic, neutral, and alkaline foods. And there's this idea out there that you need to eat more alkaline foods because the acidic foods, you know, or acid forming is really what they're called. They start to mess with your body inside and out. They um, apparently leach calcium from your bones and that's bad. Then your bones get weak and it starts leaching minerals from your brain, your cardiovascular system all over the place and things start to break down more rapidly. So it just starts to get confusing in this avenue because they say that alkaline forming foods include lemons and limes, which are extremely acidic, but that's apparently because they are alkaline once they get into your body. This is where the science does not really add up, and that's the part where I'm like, look, eat more lemons and limes. You're going to be good. Alkaline forming, acidic forming or not, what seems to be really happening is that the human body has all of these balancing systems to where when you start to get really out of whack, that's where you start to get damage built up. But a normal healthy diet of the right fruits, the right vegetables, the right carbs and fats tends to work itself out. They're not pushing you off in sorts of these extremes like the Big Mac, which is super high fat and super high in sodium heavily processed. It's not what your body wants. Big difference here between the fats is that we want to make sure that we're not just getting the saturated, high saturated fat content in our diets too much. That's another reason why the Big Mac is an issue because the saturated fat from the beef and the oil that they use to cook it is primarily saturated fats, which clog our arteries and it's basically, if you look at the shape of the molecule of the saturated fat, it's very, very straight, and it's not something that's going to basically flow through smoothly. It's going to want to compact on top of each other like bricks and start to clog your arteries. There's a lot of scientific evidence that shows that olive oil is one of the best things that you can put in your body. It does seem to be an antioxidant factor. It seems to be a neuroprotective, have neuroprotective factors with it. And the combination of mostly unsaturated fats, monounsaturated and polyunsaturated, which basically just means it's got a special chain at the end with different shapes that aren't just straight. And the poly ones are the most complex in shape and structure. And those don't tend to compact upon each other and form plaques in the arteries. You know, that's the sad reason why heart attacks occur and why heart attacks are one of the biggest killers of Americans and people around the world is plaque buildups block vessels that serve the heart muscle itself. The vessels that are actually in your heart to service the rest of your body are so big that it's very difficult for them to ever get clogged. I've I've not seen anything about that. I've Bet it's happened before. Um, it's probably in some medical journal somewhere. It's a very, very unique case. But when you look at what happens during a heart attack, a vessel typically on the muscle surface of the heart has become clogged. If you look at the diagram, it's usually the big artery that services the top front. And looking at it from the right, 
that gets clogged because it's the top vessel that services all the ones below it. And when there's no oxygen being supplied to any part of your body, it starts to die. And when a heart attack occurs, that's because the heart muscle is literally dying. It's been blocked. And in many situations, the blockage breaks, it pushes through, you know, the pressure behind it starts to get so high that eventually it pops and it moves forward. But for a lot of people, it's, it's too late. And a heart attack is often a fatal event for too many people around the world, millions of people around the world every single year. And that has a lot to do with the plaque buildup that comes from the wrong fats being put into the body excessively. The saturated fats, they're something that we need. You know, there was a thing out there that said that all fats are bad, but that's simply not the case. You can eat cake, you can enjoy your cake, but cake cannot be your number one source of fat, nor can margarine, butter, processed cheese, and shortenings. You have to be very cautious with your consumption of the saturated fats like that and switch over to more of the liquid oils like olive oil and avocado oil. We'll be right back, folks, with the Total Wealth Academy radio show going over the health aspect of the Tony Robbins presentation back in November. Y'all stay tuned. Here's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back, folks, to the final segment of today's show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, Lead Wealth Coach at TWA. So I just want to go over just a quick reason why I'm I'm skeptical of the acidic alkaline thing. And I'm not doing this to argue with somebody. I'm not doing this to look down upon somebody or if this is working for somebody, I'm, I'm all for it. And if you have some information that maybe I need to see to re- reconsider this outlook, I'm completely open for that because there's no point in, to me, there's no point in believing in something if evidence shows otherwise, and then you're just going to hold on to it because of your ego or something else. You, you have to be open to looking at what's actually going on in the world because there's the real world and then there's the stuff that you made up in your head. And if you make up that crossing the street is safe with your eyes closed and you don't want to look both ways, well, there's still cars coming left and right as far as I can tell. So I'm going to be the one opening my eyes and looking at that reality. So they talk about alkaline forming versus acid forming foods. And uh, this is a food to avoid apparently whole wheat bread. Like, no, that's... 100% not something you need to avoid. That is 100% something you want in your body because it's a whole grain product. It's a plant, a plant that has been risen with yeast, formed into a dough with water, and baked in an oven. It's a processed food in a way, but it's 
a very normal process that doesn't add anything that you don't want there. I mean, if you're talking about a conditioned dough with a whole bunch of weird stuff or preservatives, that's a different story. But a good whole wheat loaf of bread is going to be is going to be perfectly fine for you. And then apparently oysters are acid forming, freshwater fish, and then unclean sources of beef. And mushrooms, peanuts, coffee, tea, wine, and beer. Okay. So there's some stuff here that makes sense. And I'm a pescatarian, so I don't eat beef, um, chicken, pork anymore for a multitude of reasons. And I'm not the person that's going into people's face and telling them not to eat those meats either. But, you know, to say unclean sources of beef, of course you don't want to eat unclean meats. That's that's a given, I would assume. And then to say that mushrooms are bad doesn't add up. That's a, I mean, mushrooms are their own kingdom. Fungi are their own kingdom. They're rich in vitamins, rich in protein, great protein source for vegans and vegetarians. Peanuts are great. Coffee is something that a lot of people get hung up about. And despite the fact that the caffeine is a drug and people can get addicted to it, Sure, but even though I don't drink coffee, I, I don't think coffee is really an issue because it's been shown that coffee can actually be very healthy for you. People that are drinking it black or with unrefined sugar, a little bit of cream, there seems to be some significant health benefits associated with it. Tea especially. Um, wine is a big thing in the blue zones that I talked about. There's an island in the Mediterranean, part of Italy, Sardinia. And they've got some of the oldest living people, male and female, and they basically drink a half bottle of wine every single night. Red wine specifically, which has the antioxidants from the skins in it, and they seem to be doing fine, living to 100, 105 more often than other people. And okay, I'm biased because I love beer. I want to open a brewery, but beer, fermented beverage, it's probably not as healthy as wine. I'll definitely give the winos that. Not that I'm not a wino myself at this point, but to just say that it's going to be destroying your body if you have one or two beers, it, that doesn't add up. It's There's not enough scientific evidence to indicate that. So moderation is key. That's definitely something people say a lot these days and learn about. It's, they're just, they're, does not seem to be a whole lot of foods that you straight up cannot eat. I would say that as a seafood advocate, you should be very careful with some seafoods out there that are very high in heavy metals. One of the downsides about the fishy body is that it tends to hold on to heavy metals, which unfortunately with pollution, people dumping stuff into the oceans they should not, they tend to accumulate more. And there are higher mercury fish out there, typically fisher that are big fish that are bigger like sharks, swordfish, um, gulf tilefish is a big issue apparently. It has one of the highest mercury concentrations out there, and you really don't want to be putting shark, swordfish, tilefish in your body. They have extremely high mercury contents, and other heavy metals, you have to be very cautious eating those. Salmon is extremely low. Shrimp is extremely low. Lobster is low. Mussels are low. 
Oysters are low. Scallops basically have none. Tilapia is low. In, you can look that up. Just search fish mercury levels and you'll find the whatever website it is that's that's part of the U.S. government, I believe, or sponsored by it that talks about you know fish agriculture and gives information on those mercury levels. And I'd be very interested to see if the beef lobby, chicken, pork lobby would post the contents of metals and other things in their meat, but I don't think that's a thing. And I just think it's very, very cool that the seafood market does do that. Maybe that, maybe there's some things that could be talked about as to why, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Exercise. We talk about exercise a lot at TWA. And there are some weeks where, honestly, over the last two weeks, I haven't been to the gym. I'm going to have to confess. I, I was sick two weeks ago. And with the schedule with my new dog, since she has to be kettle trained, I, I couldn't have the heart to leave her after being at work. So I, I am going to need to get back to the gym this week. I'm planning to go today for sure and get back into my routine over there. But my goal, and I end up going out to the gym for a high-impact exercise at least once a week, which seems to get me get me what I need because I'll be there for a good two, two and a half hours when they're saying that's right around three hours is what you need of moderate. So it really depends on what works for you. Some is always going to be better than none. And... There's nobody at the gym that's going to judge you. There's nobody there that's going to care that you weren't there for a while or it's your first time. That does not happen. I've never seen it happen. The worst experience is that they end up being helpful, as can be. If you need someone to spot you, somebody's going to help you. So don't come off the couch and go straight to crazy like they say here. Work small. Start with the seed grow the tree from there, and focus on a way where you can work out at home or at the gym. The gym is not mandatory. Um, I would say it's virtually mandatory for somebody that would want to be a bodybuilder or get close to that because you need all that specialized equipment to keep your body doing different exercises and doing those changes and not do the same exercise every single time, which can maintain and there is some semblance of stagnation in that regard that actually exists. But if you want to keep exercising, getting better, you're going to have to do those different machines. $30, $35, $40 a month for most gyms these days. Some are doing $20, $25. You know, it's very, very worth it versus the cost it would take to get all those machines at your own house. A lot of dough to get to that point. So... They then start to talk about some of the differences here between the macronutrients, which are the carbs, proteins, fats, and the micro, vitamin, minerals, water, and fiber. Fiber being things that we eat that we cannot digest. And I would say with some of the health concerns that I experienced recently, um, fiber is critical. And fiber supplementation is one of the supplementations that will never not have payouts. And what I'm referring in that situation is that sometimes multivitamins don't pay out because a lot of it gets passed through. If your body really needs it, it craves it from natural food sources, 
But if you have a gap in your diet and you need to get a vitamin, you know, that can really be helpful. But a fi fiber is always going to pass through undigested, smooth everything out in a big way. It's like the oil that greases the digestive system's flow. So high fiber foods, beans, whole grains, fruits, and fiber supplements are very important. And the main association we found for colon cancer has been low fiber diets. And there's a couple other things that are associated there, but the number one thing is low fiber diets. So do not ignore your fiber. And we're going to have to get into this as we wrap up the show today, but they're going on the section next that talks about the poisons of the body, which we'll definitely get into next week. Make sure you're not going through that guy's 36-hour diet, which is basically a whole bunch of poison with the soda and the processed food, folks. Eat healthy. Start with something fresh today. Always hit the produce section first. Grab yourself some fresh veggies and fruits and start your diet from there and your weekly diet from there. Be back next week. I'm Trevor Davis. I'll see you then. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.